Hey, Women of Hope, um, welcome to Spring Women's Bible Study. I'm glad that each of you are listening. My name is Jen. Um, I'm going to be leading us today. Uh, and then separate weeks, what this is a seven-week study, and it'll you won't see me again. We're going to have different women uh, that are belong to Hope, different sites that are going to be up here teaching. I think Stephanie's going to teach next week, so I'm excited about that. Uh, today's passage we're going to look at is the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well. And if you're new, this is our second semester of the topic of this study, which is looking at Jesus' encounters with women in the New Testament. So everywhere that Jesus went, he engaged with the poor, the marginalized, and the outcast. And oftentimes in those days, that those were women. So women, it's important to know, and we saw last semester, women flocked to Jesus because his treatment of them was truly revolutionary. He really, really cared for them, and I love that. He cared for everybody, but particularly women because they were kind of downtrodden in, in biblical times. So Jesus shows us in these New Testament stories that the gospel is for everyone, no matter their race, position, gender, or story. So in our study today, and for the next six weeks after this, there's three parts to our study, just to get you guys grounded. Uh, there's going to be a short teaching time. There's going to be a small group time. And then we're going to start each time with a slow reading of the passage together. We did this last semester, and I hope you guys remember that. But for those of you that are new, a slow reading of the passage together is called uh, Lectio Divina, which think is Latin for sacred reading, and it's a way to engage our head and our hearts and our emotions and our imagination with the passage we're about to look at together. It also is a way for Holy Scripture to be present to our present situation today. And I don't know how many, you know, I don't know how you guys come into this study. It's 10 o'clock. A lot of you guys have done a lot of things this morning, uh, wrangling two, three, four, five kids. Um, maybe you did your exercise routine already. Maybe you cleaned your whole house. I don't know how you start in the morning. But I do know that many of you come in here with your head on fire. So, um, yeah, this is a way for us to be able to, to quiet our hearts and our souls and really listen to the Word of God. So we want to pay attention to what the Spirit might be inviting you to today. And I think that's exciting. Uh, here's a quote about this sacred reading that we're about to do together, Lectio Divina, uh, from Ruth Haley Barton. When we engage the scriptures for spiritual transformation instead of just information, we engage not only our mind, but also our heart, our emotions, our body, our curiosity, and our imagination, and our will. We open ourselves to a deeper level of understanding and insight that leads us deeper into our personal relationship with the one behind the text. It's listening to God in a relational way. And this really helps me. So I'm going to lead you guys through that. Uh, this morning is going to probably be the first 15 or 20 minutes of our time together. And yeah, I'm just going to ask it, that you'll trust me and I'll tell you some things about like you, Bina. Uh, mainly, scripture tells us in Hebrews 4 that God's word is living and it's alive and the spirit of God is alive and well inside each of us. So the goal is for the two to interact together and then be curious about what the spirit is inviting me toward today in this passage. So the first thing we're going to do, and this is awkward for you folks that are listening on the podcast, is we're going to sit in this room 
for, for silence for about a minute. It's going to feel like 10 minutes to you guys. It might feel like that to me. But it, it truly is a gift. We don't get enough opportunity in our crazy lives to just sit in silence and try to ground ourselves in the passage that we're about to be in together. So that's what we're going to do. I'm going to invite you guys to take a deep breath. It might be the first deep breath you've taken today. Feel your feet on the floor. Relax your shoulders. And let's try to be quiet. Be present to yourself and the presence of Jesus in this room. Father, we know that your spirit is here and you've been sitting here in the silence listening to these little babies. We're reminded that we are your children and that you are our dad. Our loving father, I pray that you would help us to pay attention to that, to pay attention to your spirit. Help us to hear from you through your word. So we're going to be listening to this passage, not consuming it. I'm going to read our passage, which is only seven verses, out loud three times. I'm going to ask you guys to think about some questions while I'm reading it. I'm going to be guys a little bit more silence. I'm going to ask you the questions. Just write down the answer. We're not going to share it until afterwards for a small group time. And then share it if you want to. So we're going to write it down what comes to mind as I read through this passage with you guys. So the first reading, we're in John 4. And you can look at it or you can just listen. John 4, 7 through 15. As I read this, I want you guys to think about what word or phrase resonates with you as I'm reading it. It could be anything. And you don't have to have a reason. 
just a word that stands out. And you're like, huh, I wonder what that's about. So I'm going to read this for the first time really slowly, and you guys just take note of a word or phrase that stands out. And this is John 4, 7 through 15. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water willing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Take a little time and write down a word or phrase that might have stood out in that reading. So no wrong answers here. character of Jesus. What do you see him doing, reacting, feeling? What draws your attention to Jesus as I read this? It's our second reading. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, 
Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Spend some time writing down what you heard and saw, thought about Jesus and his character. Okay, for our last reading, I'm this one more time. Um, I'd like you to place yourself in the passage and engage all of your senses. So this is using our holy sacred imagination. I mean, what would it be like to be this woman? What must she be feeling? How is she reacting? What does she look like? What is she hearing? I don't know. What's her posture? Yeah, just spend some time imagining what it must be like to be her and to be there. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Spend some time imagining what that must have been like for her.
Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we're going to transition a little bit into the teaching time. So thanks for participating in that. I, I love doing this before we get going into the teaching time because it helps. I mean, I've been looking at this passage for several weeks. You guys are just landing right here and finding out where we are. So it gives you guys a chance to catch up uh, with your head and your heart with what we're about to engage in with Scripture. So, And I hope uh, you're surprised and that you enjoyed the silence. So, um, yeah, we just did seven verses. This passage contains a lot more. Uh, so today we're going to talk through John 4, 7 through 30. So there's more to this story with the Samaritan woman that we just read. So we're going to walk through that together. And I love her. Love this story. Uh, here in this passage, we have Jesus' longest documented conversation with a man or a woman in the Bible. I wonder why that is. I think it's fascinating. He dignifies her. He disarms her. He engages with her in a theological discussion. That's unheard of. He makes her uneasy by exposing her. He honors her by telling her that he is the Messiah. You see that? And then she changes her world. It changes her. And maybe he stopped in Samaria just for this encounter with this woman. So I love it. So let's walk through the passage together, John 4, 7 through 30. Um, it starts out, Jesus had been traveling with his disciples. They go through Samaria. Uh, he's been on a long journey. He tells us he's tired, and it's noon. So you can bet he's ready for a break. Uh, he's all by himself because he sent the other disciples into the town to buy some food. So in verse 8, it says, When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? Because everyone else went to go get food. And the Samaritan woman says, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. Double whammy. How can you ask me for a drink? For Samaritans don't associate with Jews. So what's the big deal with this? Uh, why is this interaction such a big deal? Uh, just a, a little bit on Samaritans. They were half Jewish, half Gentile people who had intermarried with the Assyrians, who are uh, the enemies of the Jewish people of the Israelites. Jews hated Samaritans. Jewish men would have avoided a Samaritan woman at all costs. To a Jew, being a Samaritan was more revolting than being a Gentile pagan. So Jesus, and you may have noticed this in Alessio, what does this passage tell you already about the character of Jesus? He breaks social boundaries. Thank God. He doesn't care. He comes and sits with this woman, looks her in the eye, and has a discussion with her. But, of course, the woman is suspicious. Why are you talking to me? And you guys can all feel this. Jews don't associate with Samaritans, especially women. What do you want? She understandably assumes that Jesus is after something from her. But Jesus isn't there for something he can take from her. He's there to give something to her. Something else about Jesus' character that I hope you notice. He's a giver. This verse 10, verse 10, the word gift is in here all the time. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So just so we're clear, the gift, Scripture tells us that living water is Jesus himself. And we'll look at that in a minute. And the gift of God is himself. Also, personally, I think this verse is hilarious because Jesus starts talking in the third person to her. And so she's like, what's going on here? That's what I would be. 
If you knew the gift of God and he who asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So what does she do in response? She gets pragmatic and adds a little touch of cynicism. Sir, if you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep, where can I get this living water? Are you greater than her father Jacob? So she brings up the history of this whole well. So that the well that they're meeting at is called Jacob's Well. It's in the Old Testament. It's a famous well that God provided for people in the middle of the desert. So um, this verse gets me. Verse 11. You have nothing to draw from and the well is deep. And I love a good metaphor. And I'm just going to share this with you guys. Uh, the well is deep. Maybe this phrase caught your attention in our Alexia reading. Maybe it didn't, but it does for me. A deep well, for me, is a metaphor of the tender places in my story that I think are unreachable from this living water. And could this be an invitation from Jesus to allow him access to the parts of my story that are previously untouched? The well is deep. God, I'm a mess. I have a lot going on. I don't think he can reach me. I don't know where that's, if that's where you are today, but that's where I go when I think this well is deep. The deep grief that I have over losses in my life, the deep fears I carry about my inability to control my kids' story or their future or their well-being, their safety, their choices, my inability to control my own health, my own aging. The deep independence that wells up within me when I want to just be left alone and when I don't want to ask others for help. Maybe this metaphor hits with you guys. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe you're there thinking, Jen thinks a little bit too deeply about stuff. You know, she needs to take a break. Well, I want to say to you guys, your God-given unique soul is immortal. It is a sacred, sacred thing that only you possess. And of course those wells are so deep within your soul. And I want you guys to think on that and spend some time. You know, when you maybe you think, I don't have much to offer, there's not much to me, you know, there's no more to be discovered. I want you to know and believe that the well is deep in your soul. And maybe you cannot, you know, talk to Jesus about that. Jesus, show me the uniqueness of my soul. It is immortal and special. You're not just here buying time on the earth. So how does Jesus answer her? Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of living water. A spring of water welling up into eternal life. So now she's interested. She hears something that she can value and practical, it's a practical advantage for her. She feels this guy is going to give me some relief. So I don't have to keep coming back here. Um, Sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming back here to draw water. So let's look at this closely. It's verse 15. What does she want? Because she is all of us right here. This verse 15. Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming back here to draw water. It's another metaphor. She wants to be never thirsty again. Thirst, of course, is a metaphor for needing or desiring something 
a longing that we all have when we're longing for something or someone. She wants independence from God, and surely she wants independence from men, our man. She doesn't want to keep coming back here to draw water. Get me out of this circumstance, God. I hate it. And we'll find out why in a minute. So a passage that will help us through this is Jeremiah 2.13, which says, My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water. So here you find out who's the spring of living water. It's God. Two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and they have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. A cistern is another word for well. So my people have committed two sins. They forsake me, they look somewhere else, and they try to find life on their own. And it doesn't work. They dig their own cisterns. They try to get the thirst quenched with other means besides Jesus. And we fail. Eugene Peterson tells us that the God thirst inside of us is the most powerful hunger within us. So my question to all of us, am I spending my days denying or numbing that thirst or trying to satiate it with lesser things by digging my own cisterns? Am I even aware of being thirsty? That's where some of you guys are. I, I spent probably the first half of my life, if you guys ever played this game, what would the title of your autobiography be? Um, probably the first half of my life, the title of my autobiography would be, I know what I don't want. <laughs> and it's, it's easy for me to just say, ooh, I don't like that, I don't like that, I don't like that, ew, gross, get away, whatever. I know what I don't want. And, and then what would it look like to spend some time, Jen, what do you want? You know, what are your longings? What are your desires? That's a great question. And it's painful to unearth these desires because that's why they're desires. We don't have them all the time. We don't get them. We don't get what we want. So what do I keep coming back to instead of going to the well of living water? Well, for me, it can look like nostalgic memories of the past. I love dwelling in the past. I love even more dwelling in the future. Planning a new vacation. Um, whatever I can do to numb out and not feel these desires. To pretend I'm not thirsty or sad or needy or grieving or lonely or raging. I don't know what it is for you. Uh, maybe it's affirmations from others, uh, social media, perfectionism, the idea of a perfect family, the perfect job, the perfect body. What do you do to quench your own thirst? So the woman, the Samaritan woman, this in this verse 15 again, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming back here. I feel her demand, and I also feel her hope. She's like, wait a minute. This feels really good. She, but she wants the gift. She wants magic water 
so I won't be thirsty again and have to keep coming back here. She wants a change of her circumstances, right? She's saying, God, fix this. Fix this so I won't have to need you or anybody else. And we say that in different points in our lives every day. God, fix this circumstance. I want the gift. I want you to change it. I don't really necessarily, I'm not interested in the giver. But here Jesus is offering the giver himself. This is the difference between relief and restoration. Okay, we want relief. We think we want relief. We want to quench our thirst. We don't want to feel this way. But what we really need is living water, which is restoration. We have to learn the difference between the two. He's not giving us water. He's offering relationship with himself, the source of living water. So we can either keep coming back here to a place that temporarily, temporarily satisfies our thirst, or we can go to the giver, who's the source of living water. The well is deep. How far down into your story do you allow Jesus to touch you? So that's the verses we went through with Lectio. I want to go through the rest of the passage. We're going to kind of blow through it and go and start in verse 16. So she's like, give me this water so I don't have to keep coming back here. And the rest of the story is Jesus is like, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband. You guys have heard this story. Maybe you have. And Jesus says to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is that you've had five husbands. And the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, I can see that you're a prophet. <laughs> I love this. We've all been like this middle school person that would just deflect, distract. Whoa, I see you're a prophet. Let's talk about theology. This is a little bit too close to home. I, golly, I would do the exact same thing. Sir, I see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on the mountain, but the Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. She's panicked. Yes. But back to Jesus. He sees her. He knows her. And she feels caught, doesn't she? And this is key. When you hear the words of Jesus, do you feel caught? Like a finger pointing at you. You're caught. You feel shame. Or do you feel caught? He catches me. He knows me. He holds me. It's a huge difference of how we perceive Jesus. And he catches her. Also, the five husbands things. I, I feel viscerally protective, probably of all women, but I feel for sure protective of this woman. Five husbands. Uh, can you imagine the heartbreak of this woman's life? And I think we so easily get stuck on, well, you know, she must be a prostitute or a you know, serial adulteress. Jesus never talks about her sin in this passage. It's not like he's saying, go and sin no more. He's entering the pain of her story. We don't know anything about these five husbands. They may have beat her. They may have died. She may be grieving. They for sure all left her. She's alone. She's probably just trying to survive. So she's also exposed, and she deflects at Jesus, and he lets her. I love that. He's like, sure, yeah, let's talk about theology. Either way. She has a genuine interest in worship and religion. So I love this response. 
So Jesus says in verse 21, Woman, believe me, a time is coming when you are worshipped the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming, and it's now come, it's now come, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman says, I know that the Messiah, called the Christ, is coming. Good for her. That's amazing that she knows scripture. I love it. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then, boom. Jesus looks her in the eye and says, I, the one who is speaking to you, am he. He has never said this before. And he says it to her. A Samaritan woman, full of shame, with a rough story, an outcast, tragic past. What? What does this tell you about Jesus? And he picks her. He honors the outcast, the marginalized, the suffering, the lonely. He catches her. This blows my mind. That he picks her. Literally the first person he said this to. So, the rest of the story, (laughs) in walks the disciples. It says, just then his disciples returned from shopping for food. And we're surprised to find him talking with the woman. And and I can just imagine this scene, too. They're having this intense moment. He's telling the first person human ever that he's the Christ. I am he. I am he. And if you've ever walked in a room and you feel like this energy of like, wait a minute, what did I just walk in? Are y'all talking about me? (laughs) um, So the disciples walk in, and I love this, but no one asks, what do you want? Like, why is this woman here? Why are you talking to her? I think they feel like they're on holy ground. So what happened to the woman? Did she get this living water? Well, she is forever changed. Verse 28 says, Then, leaving her water jar behind, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. So she leaves this water jar behind. You know, they keep coming back here with my water jar to get this water. She leaves it behind. And that's our invitation. Really, that's one of our invitations today. Leave that little cup behind that you just carry around with you that you think is quenching your thirst and go to the living water source. Jesus touched the deep wells of her story, of her pain, and her identity. I mean, if you look at the first couple verses of what we talked through, it just says Samaritan woman, Samaritan woman, Samaritan woman, over and over. That's not who she is. She's a beloved daughter of God. And she's acting this way now. So at verse 39, many Samaritans believe she becomes an evangelist. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of this woman's story. And that's another reason to be generous with what her story is. People listen to her in the community. It's not like she's an outcast and has no friends and no one ever talks to her. She had a voice in her community. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. 
And because of his words, many more became believers. And they said to the woman, so they're still interacting, the Samaritans and the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said, but we have now heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. So back to this living water to close. Three chapters later in John 7, Jesus says, On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Jesus says, come to me and you'll be changed with living water. So another question is how often do I try to quench my thirst by feeding off other people, by trying to grab from them, gain their approval? And the image truly of a vampire comes to my mind when I think of thirst, consuming, satiating, desperate. I've got to find life somewhere. And that's pretty dark. But who do we want to be? You know, that's what I don't want. <laughs> but what do I want? So when I hear this verse, come to me and living water, you know, springs of living water will flow from within me. That's the promise of Jesus. That creates a longing in me. And I'm like, oh, gosh, I want that. I want to be a life giver. I don't want to consume other people. I don't want to just offer my old stagnated stories from 10 years ago when that one time when I heard from Jesus and hope that encourages people. I want fresh living water to be flowing out of me to the people that I hang out with. And I think, I think we all do. And the only way to get that is to come to Jesus, the source of the living water. And this great promise, the water I give them will become in me a source. A spring of water welling up into eternal life. So just to underline, we just so desperately want the gift. And Jesus offers the giver. And it's so much better. A spring of living water inside of you now. And Jesus is that source. Christ in me is the gift. So let's learn this semester how to drink deeply from Jesus himself and be with him. This man who I truly long to be with, to watch him treat this woman this way. I love it. So let me pray for us, and then we'll have our small group time.